Amen. I'd like to welcome you to our Wednesday night service. If you'd like to find your place in Lamentations chapter 4. Lamentations chapter 4. The title of the message is, What Are You Watching For? And you'll see the, 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 where the title comes from here in verse 18, or uh, I mean verse 17 of Lamentations chapter 4. And uh, here they're just being honest, Judah's being honest in what they were watching for. And they should have been looking for the Lord, they should have turned to the Lord, but now it's too late. So instead of repenting, they just turned to another nation. Lamentations chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, And as for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. Have you ever been expecting family or friends or company to come to your house and maybe you invited them to come or they said they were going to come by and spend some time with you and, and you went through the house and you prepared the house for company. You know, there, there's a different preparation there. And uh, when you're just doing your daily cleaning maybe, but when you know company's coming, when you know people are, are coming your way, then you're going to put in maybe just a little bit more effort and put some things up that normally you could just leave out or something like that. But, you know, as you prepare for all these things and the time comes for them to show up, let's say they're supposed to be there at 2 o'clock and you're waiting and you've planned, you've prepared for their visit and you're waiting at, but then they show up late. <laughs> You're looking out the window where well, they said they'd be here. And, and as it delayed a little bit and maybe they weren't there at the time that you thought they should be there, how did that make you feel? You see, your hope and anticipation was for them to arrive on time at the appointed time in order for that fellowship that you so desired to have with them could begin. See, your hope was not in the preparations and the planning, but it was in the person or the company that was supposed to come. All of the efforts and labors was for the big event. And the big event was for the arrival of the guest. This is an election year here in America, and our hope is not in an election. Well, you read with me verse 17, and as for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. An election, that's exactly what, that's vain help. And in our watching, we've watched for a nation that could not save us. Our hope is not in our nation. Our, our hope is not in an election. It's not in a president or, or just having an easier, a better life now. You know, everything that I'm hearing is pointing that there's going to be a, a World War III. People anticipate a World War III. I hope that never happens, but it just may. But I wonder if America's prepared for that. You know, we're too busy defending uh, uh, sodomites and transgenders and drag shows to prepare for what could be the end 
of a nation. I just read a report that the army's cutting 24,000 there because they're having problems with recruiting, they said. You know, this could possibly be our last free election here in America. The only hope for America is the local church. Jesus gave us the command to go into the world of preaching the gospel, baptizing those that get saved, and then teaching them to observe whatsoever he hath commanded us. But here's the sad truth. The local church has been failing in these efforts. Close to 4,000 churches a year close their doors with only maybe half of that opening doors. We're failing. We're so busy planning for ourselves that we failed to plan and prepare for Christ's return. I wonder how many times this week has the thought of Christ's soon return affected what you did? I wonder if it made you pray more. The thought of his return, Jesus just may come back today. Did you pray more because of that? Did you witness more? Did you make more time to read your Bible? Did, did it make you want to give more of your time and talents and treasures to the Lord? We'll go through great lengths to get ready for company or to receive a guest in our home, but how much preparation has went into preparing for Jesus' return? I wonder how much cleaning up and tidying up and investing and working has taken place in our own lives and in our own homes in anticipation of Jesus' return. Jesus is coming again. I believe it's very soon. Or if you remember there in, in your Bible studies and before the crucifixion, while they were in the garden, Christ came three times to James and John and Peter and each time he found them sleeping. Jesus had told them what was happening and that they needed to watch and pray. But right here's the thing, they fell asleep. I wonder if Jesus was to return today, would he find you and me sleeping on his arrival? And everyone here is busy. Everyone underneath the sound of my voice is busy, but what are we busy doing? You know, this is a great time to be saved. This is a great time in church history. We may just be the ones to experience the rapture of the church as being alive. I mean, it could happen at any moment. But here's the question. How will Jesus find those who claim they are his disciples? How is he going to find them? Is he going to find them watching and praying and busy and working? For him, uh, redeeming the time, or is he going to find us like he found Peter, James, and John? And we're talking about the cream of the crop, Peter, James, and John, the cream of the crop of the disciples. That inner circle, he found them sleeping. Think about this. Hours before the greatest fulfillment 
of all prophecy was to be fulfilled. I'm talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're, 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 I mean, just hours before this greatest fulfillment of all prophecy. And the disciples could not stay awake one hour. They were sleeping. You know, some Christians can barely make it one hour to church a week. I mean, I'm just talking about once a week. Can't, can't make it for one hour and they'll fall asleep during the service. And they're so busy doing for themselves and looking out for themselves all week that even if they make it to church for one hour, they can't stay awake for one hour. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they're here. I'm glad it's a safe place for anybody to take a nap right here. I'm glad for everybody that comes to church. But you know, there's some professing Christians that won't even bother to come to church for one hour a week. Now, this is all introduction. Let's get to the message now. Jesus is coming. Who are you watching for? Let's go back to Lamentations 4 and verse 17. It says, As for us, our eyes are as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. They hunt our steps that we cannot go in our streets. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled for our end is come. Look in chapter 5 and verse 19. Verse 19 says, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. God, would you please revive your people again. Lord, would you give us, oh Lord, in a little space of grace. Oh God, that you revive our hearts. And Lord, may you turn us again. And may our hope be in you. And may we just look to you, dear Heavenly Father. For all that we need, uh, may our hope not be in something that is vain or may our hope not be in something like a nation. Lord, would you come quickly? Lord, we've sinned. Our country has sinned. The church is failing and falling asleep. And Lord, would you please be merciful to us and help us, Lord, to get busy serving you with the time that we have left. Lord, I pray, I pray that you bless the hearer today. And, and Lord, may we not just be hearers only, but doers of the word. And Lord, thank you for your many blessings upon us. Lord Jesus, please come back quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. In Proverbs 14, 34, it says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Oh, may I remind you that Egypt's reign came to an end. Babylon's reign 
came to an end. The Medes and the Persians, their reign came to an end. The Greeks' reign came to an end. The Roman Empire's reign came to an end. And in the days that we're living in, all you got to do is cut on the news and you're going to hear of rumors of war and you're going to hear of earthquakes and nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. But the Bible says that's just the beginning of sorrows. Hey, this world has yet to see its worst days. But here's the message. We're living in unsettling times. America as we have known it is changing and not for the good. But here's the question. As a child of God, who are you watching for? There's only one that will remain forever. There's only one word that will remain forever. We're looking at an election year. We're looking at a president to be elected. Well, his term is short. If he lives and he's able, it's only a four-year term. Is your hope just in four years? Or is your hope in the Lord? In verse five, chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever thy throne from generation to generation. We're living on the brink of the next greatest fulfillment of prophecy. I mean, just like Jesus when he was in the garden there and, and he went a little further to pray and he went a little further there and, and oh my, may the Lord help us to go a little further in the days that we're living in and not be sleeping on the job if you would. And oh, may the Lord help us there. But <coughs> as he told them of all that was about to take place, uh, oh, at that particular moment, uh, I mean, the, the greatest of all prophecies was about to be fulfilled and the disciples were sleeping. We are on the brink of the next greatest fulfillment of prophecy. We're talking about the rapture of the church, the, the body of Christ, and the day of the Lord. But I wonder how Jesus will find his disciples. I wonder if he's going to find us watching and working and praying and faithful and involved, living like he's coming again. Or is he going to find us sleeping, looking out for numero uno, worrying about this life only? Oh, the hour of temptation is coming. Oh, Jesus told the disciples that it was coming, but they went to sleep. And you know, they scattered when it all happened. Jesus never promised that we would have it easy prior to his coming. Matter of fact, he promised the opposite. I, I wonder what a little persecution would reveal about you and me. We've already seen what a little COVID, and, and, and look, many people lost their lives during COVID. Many families were deeply affected, and my heart goes out. I, I had family members as well to, to pass during COVID, but we've already seen what COVID did to Christians and churches nationwide. Bus ministries have shut down. 
hardly no evangelism. Churches that used to have choirs uh, uh, have never recovered and have not put the choirs back in the in the choir pews there. And churches are only open once a week. Uh, feel good, feel good sermons every service. You know, the average churchgoer only wants to hear positive, reaffirming, feel good, and bless me sermons. Well, my Bible says that we're to bless the Lord, not ourselves. In Psalms 103 and verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I'm not looking for a better life now. I'm just passing through this old world. My home's in heaven. Hey, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That's the song that was played right before the message there as an introductory melody there, hymn. And my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The course goes like this. Oh Lord, you know that I have no friend like you. I mean, think about it. Israel was looking for some vain help. They were looking for a nation there. Oh, but it was too late for them. When they finally recognized that their only hope was Jesus, the only friend that they had is the Lord. There's no friend like the lowly Jesus. Oh, if heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, I wonder how true that song is in the average Christian's heart. I wonder if that song is only good for a Sunday morning for some people. Or maybe even a Wednesday night for others. You see, what's happening to Jerusalem is exactly what has happened to America. We've waited uh, too late to see God hide holy and lifted up. You see, revival can only come when God's people see God on his throne. You see, God wants us uh, to, to give him our full attention. God wants us to make ourselves fully available to him. Well, think about in the days of Isaiah. It took the death of Uzziah for God to get a hold on Isaiah. For Isaiah to see God high and holy and lifted up. A good view of God will give us a correct view of ourselves. That's why a lot of people don't want to see God in his holiness. They don't want to worship him in the beauty of holiness because it reflects on who they are and they don't like that. We need the Lord. There'll be no revival until we see God on his throne and high, holy, and lifted up. There'll be no revival until we reverence God and his word above anything else. Why? Because he's holy and we're not. I wonder what needs to die in our life so that we can see God high, holy, and lifted up on his throne. Uzziah died, but God was still on his throne. Isaiah's hope was not in a king, a kingdom, a nation. His hope was in the Lord. The only hope for the world is God. I wonder what it's going to take 
for us to have revival before it's too late for us. You see, revival starts in the child of God's heart. In Isaiah 6, God dealt with Isaiah before he gave Israel a message. What's it going to take for us to get our eyes on God? When you get a right view of God, you'll get a right view of yourself. Not as good and right and self-sufficient and in need of nothing. You see, that old church of the Laodiceans, uh, they weren't looking for Jesus. They had them eyes on their self. Uh, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. That's an inward look at ourselves, uh, putting confidence in ourselves. But then Jesus wrecks the reflection and says, and knowest not... Underline those words. I'm coming right back to that. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I wonder why did the church of the Laodiceans not know? Jesus says, and knowest not. You don't know what your problem really is. Why did they not know that? Well, I think the, I think the answer is simple. Why did they not know that they were wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked? The answer is simple. Just look around today. Look, look around at, at, at these places that are so-called churches and the message that they preach. All you're going to hear is that you're rich, increased in goods, and in need of nothing. Does that not sound like the message of the last days? But 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We're living in that day. But after their own lust, where does rich and increase with goods and in need of nothing come from? Oh boy, will not endure. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to grab some folks that will just tell them what they want to hear because they don't want to know the truth. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. All these so-called contemporary churches and even independent Baptist churches, many of them have left off the fundamental Many of them have left off the word Baptist and have changed the names to things of their churches, but even Baptist churches, there's very little rebuke. There's very little reproving. Now, there's a whole lot of exhorting going on. Oh, you're good. You're rich. You don't have to change. You're in need of nothing. It's all about how you feel and how you think. Well, you show me that in the Word of God. And if God agrees with that message, he doesn't. That's why all these modern versions of the Bible are so well liked by that crowd, this contemporary crowd, this Laodicean crowd, the church of the people, right? Give the people what they want. Oh, they love the world's music because it makes their flesh feel good. It's what they listen to Monday through Saturday, so why not listen to it on Sunday as well, but just put a few Christian words somewhere in between. Oh, they love the world's dress because it exalts their flesh. It's all about them. 
You know, Adam and Eve, even though they sinned against God, but even after they sinned, they had a greater fear of God than the average churchgoer has today. They were naked and they hid themselves, ashamed to come out before God in their nakedness. We don't go to church where we meet with Jesus, a holy God, to display the world's latest fashions that, that by the way, are worldly and carnal and very fleshly looking. Adam and Eve did not have a church. They did not have a pastor. They didn't even have a Bible, but they knew better than to show up before God without any clothes on. Matter of fact, God clothed them. God gave them what was their respectable attire should have been. The church of the Laodiceans, they did not know their condition. Why is that? Because someone in the pulpit failed to warn them of what Jesus expected of them. So Jesus sent them a letter and told them to repent and even came himself and knocked on the door to try to get their attention. But they didn't even know, didn't even realize that Jesus was right there knocking. You can come to church and you can hear the messages and never hear Jesus knocking on your heart's door. Why? Because you're so hard-hearted. You don't want to have a holy view of God. You, you, you can come to church and the message be preached. The Holy Ghost is wooing and drawing you. And you just close your heart's door. Well, when Jesus returns and raptures the body of Christ, the church of the Laodiceans are just going to continue on just like the rapture never happened. There'll be a few people that'll disappear out of that, out of that group, but, but not enough for anybody to notice. The, the Catholic Church will keep on going. The, the JWs will keep on going. The Muslims will keep on going. The Buddhists will keep on going. And every false re religion will just continue like nothing ever happened. Hey, Jesus is coming again. And there's a judgment seat coming for every born-again believer. And we're going to have to give an answer for what we did with God's Word and how we responded to God's Word. We're going to have to answer for what we chose to hear and not hear. How well we loved him by keeping his commandments and following his word and doing his will. Look, don't wait till it's too late. See, that, that's where they are here in Lamentations. It, it's too, judgment has come. It, it's too late to, to be able to do anything about it. They waited just a little too late to see God on his throne. And when judgment came, it was far worse than they could have ever imagined. But it was too late. Verse 17, As for us, our eyes has yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. 
They hunt our steps that we cannot go in our streets. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled for our end is come. They did not want to change their ways. They just wanted God to not bring judgment on them. They just were looking for someone to bail them out so that they could just keep on living the way they want to. Uh, there's a lot of people that are living that way today and there's a lot of Christians that are living that way. Uh, that's why that contemporary Christian crowd is so large. Uh, hey, all they're looking for is for something to make them feel good now, to have a better life now. They're looking for a temporal feel-good sermon so that they can just keep on living uh, in their sins and without having to separate uh, from that sin unto the Lord. They satisfy their flesh seven days a week and try to squeeze in a little hour of religion on Sunday. In Jerusalem's case, uh, when judgment came, it came down on everybody. The priests failed the people. The politicians failed Israel and people failed themselves and they all failed the Lord. I wonder what's going to be said of this generation of Christians. Jesus is coming again, but I, I wonder what is he going to find us watching for? Watching the elections? Watching for a political party? Watching for a president? Watching for others to do something about our condition? That's what they did. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. Look, all the, it's all drawing to an end, folks. We're closer to our end than we were yesterday. Everybody in this building, everyone underneath the sound of my voice, we're closer to our end today than we were yesterday. Who are you watching for? Are you making the proper preparations for Jesus to come again? That's amazing. Uh, as I use that illustration, we'll go to great length to make things ready for a guest or, or a family member to visit. But what about Jesus? He's coming back as well. In Ephesians 5.24, it says this, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. Uh, here we're getting a good idea of how God wants to find every born again believer. When Jesus comes back, judgment is coming as well. And it'll be too late to make things right or get things in order. That has to be done before he comes back. Let me ask you, do you have any spots? Do you have any wrinkles? Or any blemishes in your life that if you knew Jesus was coming back right now, you'd immediately get rid of it? You'd tidy up, you'd clean up real fast? Jesus is coming again. But can I just say when Jesus comes, it'll be too late to say, I wish I'd done more. It'll be too late. 
I, I wish I had prayed more. I, I wish I'd have read my Bible more. I, I wish I would have witnessed more. I wish I'd have got things right with my brother or sister in Christ uh, or with a family member. Or I wish uh, that I'd gave more of my tithe and, and my offerings and the missions. I wish I'd had honored the Lord more in my life. I wish I'd have blessed His holy name more than trying to bless my own. I wish I'd have been more faithful to church. I wish I would have seen him on his throne high and holy and lifted up. But when you get to the end of Lamentations, they say this, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Oh, but it was a little too late. Who are you watching for? Has Jesus' soon return affected you in any way this week? Hey, it's time to wake up out of sleep. It, it, it's, it, look, something's got to change in our hearts and, and in our minds. It, hey, it's time to get busy for the Lord. You see, God's timeline is moving forward. If you're not saved tonight, then please let tonight be the last night that you're lost without Christ. He is coming again. Would you humble yourself and simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul? Will you be ready? Have you trusted in Him? Have you called on Him? Christian, are you living for Him? Is there any spot or wrinkle or blemish in your life that should be taken? Is there anything in your life that needs to be cleaned up so that you make the right preparations for Jesus? who's coming again. Let me ask you again the title of the message. Who are you watching for?